Okay. All right. We'll get started. Okay. Psalm, Psalm 118 here. And I'm going to look at the King James first. And, and I'm telling you, these are written to get you out of trouble. No matter what's going on in your life, big, great, small, whatever, the Lord will get you out of trouble. Uh, because, you know, you're his friend. He's your friend. I, it just, it's just the way. And you can't get yourself out of trouble. You can try. This is the best way to do it. Psalm 118. I'm going to look first at the King James. And I noticed some, the, the, the folks that put together this book, they, they'll give headers occasionally. And they got a header here and it says, An Exhortation to Praise God for His Love. Well, first off, like we say, what in the world is an exhortation? Well, somebody just added that. That's not really the scriptures. But notice verse 1. Here's the scripture. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for He's good. Oh, we've heard that before. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Well, <laughs> remember, these are emergency prayers. We're going to find out. It's not a matter if we're just sitting still and we're trying to just be as holy as can be and be Christian about it and let's say some Christian things. No, Jesus is actually real. He's coming back one day. Things down here are a mess and Jesus will help you have a good life down here. King James says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron... You know, we got an Aaron here in the room here. Uh, say his mercy endures forever. And, uh, you know, and it's kind of like, is this really real or is this just kind of just uh, some church words here? Well, it really is real. And it's even real here in the King James. But I'm going to switch it over to the Living Bible. And let's watch this. Oh, verse 1, Psalm 118. Oh, thank the Lord for he is good, for he's so good. <clears throat> his loving kindness is forever. Let the congregation of Israel praise him with these same words. His loving kindness is forever. Now, why would they be saying so much about his loving kindness is forever? Well, it's because we've made some mistakes. We've, we've blown it before and we're wondering whether or not does God love us enough to help us or whatever. And the first thing you should think of is his loving kindness is forever. In other words, that would mean it would extend to me today. Look at verse 3. He says, let the priest of Aaron chant. His loving kindness is forever. In other words, those that are supposed to be standing between you and the Lord. In other words, the, the high priest. Of course, today we have Jesus as our high priest. And Jesus himself is saying, his mercy endures forever. You're never going to come to God and it's going to be judgment as long as you believe in Jesus. Because judgment is past. You've already passed uh, from judgment. Remember that? In, in, in oh, John chapter John chapter 3. <clears throat> He'll not be judged. You know, glory to God. We're out of that. So look at verse 4. Let the Gentile converts chant his loving kindness is forever. So now that's got all of us. Whether you're a Jew or whether, you know, you know, you weren't a Jew but you came to know the Lord. It says, let his loving kindness endure forever. Now, here he goes and he tells us why. Starting at verse 5. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord. And I believe, thankfully, we're good at it. I know I've gotten a whole lot better. When I encounter the first problem... Pray, and don't pray to understand it. Pray to get out of it. You'll never find, I want to understand why this problem's going on. Oh, yes, yeah, that what the Israelites were doing when they were in bondage to Pharaoh? I want to pray and try to understand why I'm in bondage down here. No. God already told them a long time ago that that Pharaoh was going to turn on him, and God was going to bring them out with a fortune. Praise the Lord. Anyway, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me and Notice the words, rescued me. Again, you have to point out to yourself, this is not going to heaven. This is problems that you're dealing with day to day, no matter how big. 
Look at verse 6. He is for me. How can I be afraid? What can mere man do to me? The Lord is on my side. He will help me. Let those who hate me, look at that, beware. (laughs) You better watch out because I'm standing in the shadow of the Almighty. I don't have to look back and wonder if he's there. He is there. Nobody's going to mess with me. And so look at he says, verse 8. Now let's just see if this is still an invitation. Yeah. It is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in men. Boy, I tell you what. That right there will bail you out of a lot of trouble. Sometimes you might think, if I just talk to so-and-so, that'll work it out. If I just work over here and if I tell this little story and tell that little story and do this one. You don't need any of that. You need none of that. Just trust the Lord. Verse 9, it's better to take refuge in Him than in the mightiest king. Now that's hard to swallow. Are you sure? I mean, maybe as an American citizen, I know as an American citizen, I got the military behind me and we're in the greatest nation. Well, whatever. Well, yes, we are. But it says here that God's bigger and greater and all that. And He says it's better to take refuge. That means that refuge must still be there. You have a refuge. It's like Psalm 46 says, I'm not going to be afraid if I see Green Mountain hop up and jump over here. Not going to bother me because the Lord is right here to help protect me. Verse 10, though all nations of the world attack me. Boy, I tell you what, he's really digging a hole here. And he's going to say what? He's going to say the Lord will get me out. I will march out behind his banner and destroy them. (laughs) Good night. Are you sure, David? Yes. Praise the Lord. Now, remember, we're looking at Psalm 118. Again, verse 10. Though all nations of the world attack me, I will march out behind his banner and destroy them. Yes, they surround and attack me. But with his flag flying above me, I will cut them off. Wow. The King James says, but in the name of the Lord, you know, I'll destroy them. Well, you got the name of Jesus. Look at verse 12. They swarm around me like bees. Now, I don't know about you, but even the other day, Melody and I, we were trying to get in this deer stand, and <laughs> we were both in there, and all of a sudden she goes, Dad, and there were bees everywhere. They were wasps. But, you know, we got out of there, didn't ever bother us. And it wasn't, no, well, we just got lucky. I, I know better. I know better. They swarm around me like bees. They blaze against me like a roaring flame, yet beneath his flag I shall destroy them. Again, the King James translates that beneath his flag in the name of the Lord. Okay. Anyway, you did your best to kill me, O enemy, but the Lord helped me. Gee, wouldn't it be nice if that was yours today? It is. How can you say that without it being in, uh, you know, your own words? When you read verse 13, it's you. And you're saying, well, problem, you did your best to kill me, but what? O enemy... But the Lord helped me. See, you can't say that. Remember, this is scripture here. And remember, it's food. It's meat for you and I. It's, re, it's putting gas in your car. So when you read this, this is yours. You can't say, well, you did your best, you know, to kill Josh. Oh, my enemy or oh, enemies of Josh. But the Lord helped Josh. Throw you on Josh. I know Josh got a life, but he's got the same Jesus I got. I got my own problems. Lord, I need help, you know. It's not all about, you know, uh, Russian roulette. You know, you spin the wheel and somebody gets lucky and gets the help of the Lord. This is all your help. This is, and, and can you see how calm David is? David's not shaking going, oh, I hope this works. You know, oh, no. He acts like, 
This is the way it is. And it is. Remember, this is in your Bible. You would get this far, even if you read the King James or any other translation. It says much exactly the same. Verse 14. He is my strength and song, what? In the heat of battle. Sometimes we think that, uh, you know, when it really gets bad, we're sort of on our own. God kind of puts us out there just to see if we'll trust him. Those are a bunch of, that's just lies. Don't ever think that. The Lord's right there with you. He's my strength and song and in the heat of battle. And now he has given me the victory. Look at this. Songs of joy at the news of our rescue are sung in the homes of the godly. Well, that right there would imply that not to think of it. Okay, let's just take Joy and Josh's house. They're in Nashville. What about their house? Well, there's songs of joy at the news of our rescue are sung in the homes. They're happy about it, but also it's implying too that they've got the same rescue system working for them. I mean, it's not like, well, I don't know why the Lord picked Richard to bless him today, but he, you know, he sure won't bless them. Oh, are you kidding? Everybody's happy because it's working for them, working for them, working for them, working for them. Praise God. And what are they happy about? Shouldn't we be happy about learning to live better lives for the Lord and learning how to control our anger or whatever? No. Get out of your problems. God will help you with your anger or whatever you think you got to work on. Gee. So anyway, he says, the strong arm of the Lord has done glorious things. Now look at 17. I shall not die, but live to tell all his deeds. That means God's going to have to have some deeds to do in your life to, you know, for you to actually have something to say. Well, of course. But you see verse 17, I shall not die. And I don't know about you, but I know there's been several times in my life I thought I might not live long, you know. Something might happen. Dangerous situations come up, you know, and oh, whatever time, and you're and you're like, oh, this could be it. This could be it. And then, of course, usually what you do is you start praying. But how would you know when you start praying whether or not it's a dangerous situation? Let's just say there's bullets flying, or let's just say you know, I, I was in a situation one time, and I thought I thought there's no way I'm gonna be able to get out of the path of a tornado. I thought it, it just got that scary. I thought, well, where am I gonna go? You know, and I'm sitting there thinking. Oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this thing? You know, calm down. Remember, I shall not die. Now, you can't quote that without it being you. I shall, you don't say, David said, he shall not die. Well, I don't care about David because I got trouble right here, right now. Besides that, David is gone. He's already in heaven. Why do we have his words here? If they don't work, they do work. Remember, he started out this thing, let Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, let everybody who, who joined the, Israel, the Israelis, even if they weren't Jews, let them all say the Lord's loving kindness is forever. So he says, I shall not die, but live to tell all his deeds. The Lord has, notice it says, punish me, but has not handed me over to death. Now, this is very key right here. Because we got people today that say that God puts you in troubles. And God's, you know, judging you. And, and it's God that's doing this. Well, it says here that God's punished me, but he's not handing me over to death. We think, well, this is what's going on. And I mean, think about this. So if any of this was punishment, why was he saying, I'll swat them like flies and I'll, I'll stop this and I'll stop that. See, God has different way to deal with you. He's not tearing your home up, giving you a car wreck, making your kids sick, making you sick. It's just ridiculous to think that. 
besides this, it says here, I shall not die. But, well, anyway, verse, uh, he, the Lord has, the King James says, the Lord has punished me sore, but he's not handed me over to death. Same thing here. So look at verse 19. He says, open unto me the gates of righteousness, or actually the gates of the temple, and I will go in and give my thanks. I'm so happy to go to church, is what he's saying. I don't care if this whole, in other words, all the Assyrian army was coming to attack David. He says, well, yeah, y'all just do what you want to. I'm going to go in here and talk to the Lord a little bit. I'll be right back. You know? He's not worried. Sound like the 23rd Psalm. In the presence of my enemies, the Lord prepares a table. I'll go in and give him thanks. Those gates are the way into the presence of the Lord, and the godly enter there. Oh, Lord, thank you for so much. Look at this. For answering my prayer and saving me. Oh, that's going to heaven. No, it's not. It's everything he said from verses 19 all the way to the top. Thanks for answering my prayer and saving me. So we have a mentality today. It's like, well, God will answer your prayer. It may not be what you want, but he knows what you need. Oh, throw that away. Throw that kind of thinking away. Besides that, you wouldn't be thankful. You'd be leery. You'd be wondering what's going to happen next. You're going to be thinking, God's punishing me sore, but he is handing me over to death. Or he's handing you over to financial ruin or whatever. That's ridiculous. He's not handing you over to financial ruin. Mm -mm. Look at verse 22. Where have we heard that before? The stone rejected by the builders. King James, the stone which the builder, excuse me, the stone which which the builders rejected. Well, we all know what that is. That's the famous verse about Jesus. The stone rejected by the builders has now become the capstone of the arch. Have you ever seen a rainbow? Have you ever seen a door? You ever, we have a lot of houses today, and you can see those. Every window over the front has got, what, a keystone right there. Hello? Keystone is, should remind you of what? I'm going to get out of this problem. God's going to get me out. I, I don't care what your problem is. We're dealing with God here. Praise the Lord. The stone which was rejected by the builders has become the head of the corner, or whatever the King James says. But this is the capstone of the arch. It's the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous to see. Now that means, well, I thought it was David's doings, and he just wanted God to help him this time. But promise me, Lord, you'll help me just this one time. Just this one time. This is all your life. Get rid of all that thinking. God won't just give you one miracle. David just got through saying, I'm going to live and not die, and I'm going to tell his glorious deeds. And that's where we are. It's not just one miracle. It's all the time. He said, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous to see. This is the day. I've heard this before. This is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Mm. Well, surely he's going to get to some bad news here somewhere. (laughs) There's no bad news. Verse 25. He says, oh, Lord, please help us. Save us. Give us success. The King James says, send prosperity now. Wow. Oh, Lord, help us, save us, give us success. Blessed is the one who's coming, the one sent by the Lord. He's actually referring to himself. We bless you from the temple. Jehovah God, notice this, is our light, and I present to him my sacrifice upon the altar. You are my God, and I shall give you this thanks and this praise. Now, wonder why... He summed it all up about you are my God and I give you this sacrifice and I give you this thanks and praise. That's because, let's see, verses 26 and all the rest. 
You cannot write God off and just say, you know, you owe God all your life and then don't expect a thing from God. That's the reason the world's laughing at us. That's the reason the world has their own gods. I mean, they got all the way from Satan worship all the way to all kinds of things because they're just making fun of us. They're not making fun of me because I wouldn't give up what I know about Jesus in this Psalm 118 for nothing. This is the same Jesus that you'll see here. And let's go take a look at him over in um, uh, John chapter, excuse me, not John, but you could go there. But I want, I want us to go to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 8. Look at Matthew chapter 8. Again, immediately, large crowds follow Jesus. Wonder why? Were they just stupid? They're fo- oh, they're just, well, they're, just, they're Christians. Let's just see why they were following Jesus. As he came down from the hillside, look, a leper is approaching. Yeah, stay away from him. Remember all them grimy looking clothes and scabby type stuff like, ooh, gross. And, and then, of course, if, so there's certain things that we, you and I both, I do it. It's just so bad, you don't even want to think about it. I mean, what if it was you? Uh, it's not like, well, it'll go away. It's just a scab, but it'll go away a little bit. This scab never goes away. And we're talking noses deteriorating, ears falling off. It, it wasn't just because they had clothes on, you know, just to make it, you know, it was because they were hideous. A leper is approaching. He kneels before him. Now, first off, why is this guy even coming to God? Come on, you're a loser. What do you think, God can heal or something? We're talking, God makes the decisions. God decides who he wants to heal and who he doesn't heal. Oh, really? A leper is approaching, and that's because large crowds were following. Anyway, he kneels before him, worship it, sir, the leper, please, if you want to, you can heal me. Hey, Remember, is is this in our Bible today? If you want to, you can heal me. Well, then that means that phrase is still for us today. Let's see what the answer is. Jesus, oh God. Jesus, don't you know anything about hygiene? You You need a nursing degree, buddy. You know, I thought you were God Almighty. Don't touch that stuff. He is God Almighty. You got to understand God is greater than that stuff. I heard Phil say the other day, I heard somebody, he was telling one of y'all, maybe somebody else, and we were talking about spiders or whatever, but I've been doing it too. There was this big old giant roach in the house, and I, I didn't want to pick it up. But I heard Phil say a couple of months ago, whatever, he says, I always say I'm bigger than that thing anyway. <laughs> and I thought that was good. I, and so I put a paper towel over that thing, picked up that nasty thing. I did it with a spider before too, and just chunked it in there. But the whole time, Joy, I was saying, I'm bigger than this thing. <laughs> it helped me get over how gross it is, you know, because that thing, you can kind of feel it in the paper towel. It's just gross. You know what I mean? Look at this. This leper obviously is gross, isn't it? And what did Jesus do? He's bigger than leprosy. You got to understand, he's bigger than whatever problem. And Jesus is like, oh, a leper? He didn't jump out of his skin and go, oh, oh. He touched him and he said, what? I want to. That's red letter. A lot of people make a big deal about a red letter Bible. That's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I want to. Remember, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can retranslate that all you want to. You and your stomach aches, your sore throats, your headaches, your back aches, whatever, and all this kind of stuff. And my back's hurting me too, but I'm not about to walk out of here this morning and think God doesn't want me to be well. I know he wants me well. 
This back pain can't stand. I, Jesus is overshadowing me. I, I've been up here one time before and I couldn't hardly move. Today, this is easy. But I'm not worried about back pain. Gee whiz. So he says, I want to, he says, be healed and instantly the leprosy disappears. And if you look up stories about leprosy in the Old Testament and even in the New, this is not just one, this is not just one place. Remember there were ten lepers? Ten lepers came from Jesus. They stood afar off. These guys actually, out of courtesy, stood far off. And they said, but Lord, help us. Have mercy on us. And Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Implying, I got you covered. When you go show yourself to the priest, it's your show, you're going up to the priest to get inspection. Well, that meant on the way. Kind of like the water was turned to wine. When they took the water to the guy ahead of the ceremony, it was changed into wine. Well, those ten lepers in, I think it's Luke chapter 11, when they, when, as they went, they were healed. One of them recognized it, ran back, fell on his knees and said, thank you. Wow. But even in the Old Testament, there was a guy that did what? He jumped in the Jordan River, what, seven times? Dip in the Jordan and he didn't, he thought that was the stupidest thing in the world. He wasn't even going to do it. Finally, he did it. And when he dipped in the Jordan seven times, what was his name? Naaman. Naaman the leper. So we have a pattern here, don't we? If you got, I'm telling you, if you are sick at all, that's all you need to do to get healed. If you're sick, you qualify, you get healed. Anyway, Jesus says to him, don't stop to talk to anyone. Go right over to the priest to be examined. Jesus, you sure are confident, aren't you? Yeah. And take with you the offering required by Moses' law for lepers who are healed. I thought once you get it, you were doomed. Well, then why was it in the scriptures about showing yourself to the priest? You can go read this kind of like, well, hmm. Anyway, a public testimony of your cure. Woo! Verse 5. Now we'll get to talking about how rotten your heart is and how you need to learn to have better thoughts and be a better Christian. Oh, really? I don't think so. Because guess what? Don't you, don't you know if you were a bum Christian and you had leprosy, what would you do laying in your bed at night knowing now you have fresh skin like a baby and whatever? I'll tell you what. I'd be thinking, Jesus, I've not been the best person, but I want to live for you. That's how it works. That's how it works. The Bible says in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 2, it says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But yet you can stay in your thinking the whole time thinking, oh, you know, I've got to be good before God will be good to me. And you got it backwards. Mm-mm. Verse 5, when Jesus arrived at Capernaum, in other words, he was in Huntsville, now he's going to New Hope, a Roman army captain came and pled with him to come to his home and heal his servant boy. Now, I, I, I'm put out with this. I am just so put out with healing all the time. What are these people trying to do? We're here to talk about, you know, a heavenly home. We don't have time for all. Yes, we do. People won't even think about a heavenly home when, when you find out that you've got a son, or in this case, this guy had a he had a servant boy, and he's thinking, man, this boy's life is ruined. He's paralyzed. Maybe he fell, had a neck injury. And how would you like it if if this servant boy was your right hand guy and you were? I mean, he was he was just a servant, but this colonel in the army, or whatever. And now his heart went out to his servant because his servant boy, you know, he's trying to suck it up. But I'm sure his tear ducts were saying it all. He pled with him, come home and heal his servant boy. Now, I want you to get the facts about healing here. This Roman guy, he didn't think maybe possibly Jesus would do this. He knew he would. 
That's the reason we're so backwards today when we think God won't help you find your car keys. He won't help start your car like Joy's car or these other testimonies we've heard today. Don't even act that way. Mercy. Anyway, he said, come to my home and heal my servant boy who's in bed and paralyzed and racked with pain. Look at that. Yes. Yes. King James says, I will come and heal him. Wow. And so he says, I will come and heal him. Same thing here. <clears throat> oh, you remember the story? Look what happened. Then the officer said, sir, hey, I'm not worthy. Now, this is interesting. I'm not worthy that you should, uh, worthy to have you in my home. But guess what he still knew? He said, I'm still worthy to get healed. Why is that? Because we just read in Psalm 118, your loving kindness is what? Is forever for all groups, for the house of Aaron, for the Israelites. For me, for anybody else who calls on the Lord. And he said, now look at this. Now this is important for us today. Because your faith matters. And it isn't necessary for you to come if you will only stand here and say, be healed. My servant will get well. And I know because I'm under authority. I'm in the military. Up, right, up, up, left face. He just said, will you guys please turn left face? You know, come on. Would you guys please march? Would you guys please attack? No, they, man, they, they do it. He said, I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave boy, do this or that. But unfortunately, the slave guy can't do nothing now. And I know you have authority to tell sickness to go, and it will go. Do we know he has authority to tell sickness today, and it will go? Now, some people say, oh, I'm, oh, I know God and God has the power. D- don't even bring that up. Somebody who doesn't even believe in Jesus can say that. That's so easy to say. The difference is you say God will heal me. It's not just, well, God's got the power. You know, Anybody can say that. Never have a miracle. Jesus stood there in amaze. Remember, this guy didn't say, now, Lord, you've got the option. You can either do it or not. I just like you and I'll be in church Sunday. Yeah, I'll bring my tithe. I'll be in church. No, this Roman soldier said, okay, you just say the word and it's going to happen. I'm waiting. He was expecting it. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. And he says, I'll save you a trip. You don't even need to go. If you just say it from here, I know he'll be healed. Jesus stood there amazed, turning to the crowd and said, I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. And I tell you this, many Gentiles like this Roman officer, and this is great because some people say, well, the Jews are the only ones going to get it. Nah, look at the words of Jesus. Many Gentiles, that means people who are not Jews, like this Roman officer, shall come from all over the world and sit down in the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, that's you and me. We're going to have a talk about a Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to be sitting down there with Moses and with you know all the, uh, the people we hear about in the Bible, Adam and Eve, and all. we're going to be up there with them. Notice what he says. And many in... Uh, Let's see, where'd he go? Yeah, and many an Israelite, for those whom the kingdom was prepared, shall be cast into outer darkness. I mean, it's right before their nose, and they don't even know about it. They'll be cast into outer darkness in a place of weeping and torment. And Jesus said to the Roman officer, here we go. Go on home. What you have believed has happened. Now, I wonder what portion of this, you know, is something we can't do. Are you kidding? I can't even see Jesus today. But I see this, and I know he's there, and I know he's in heaven right now, and he won't have to come down here and heal me. Lord, you can just speak the word. 
Oh, wait, you already said the word. There's places all over the scripture that says that Jesus will take care of your sickness. All I got to do is, look what he says. Go on home. What you have believed has happened. What is it I believe? Well, let's dilly-dally around. Let's see. We were 1, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, all the way to 14. 14, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a high fever. I give up. Everything about Jesus is going to be healing people and helping people. That's right. And we all need to give up right now and just say, you know, Jesus, I got troubles today. You wouldn't believe the problem I have. And it may not be sickness. It may be something else. And I'll tell you what. When Jesus arrived, and when you recognize that Jesus, and remember Revelation 3.20, that's, that's a picture of the church. Revelation 3.20, this was the church of Laodicea. See there, Aaron. Jesus is standing at the door knocking and saying, hey, I don't know why you took the hide key away, you know. <laughs> I mean, put it back out there. You let me back in, I'll take care of things for you. Anyway, they told, anyway, Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a high fever, but when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her, and she got up prepared a meal for there. Verse 16, now we're going to get to the heart of a real Sunday school lesson. No, we're going to get more healing. That evening, several demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and when he spoke a single word, all the demons fled. In other words, y'all get out of here. <laughs> they were gone. And all the sick people were healed. Now, I'll tell you what, if I was just somebody reading my Bible, I'd start getting offended right now. Especially if I had something that really hurt me in my body. I'd be like, Lord, this ain't fair. You're healing everybody in the Bible, I can say. And here I am with a problem. Well, see, that's faith. And you'll, be, you'll take that to the next level and say, you know, Lord, you're going to have to fix me. Because I'm, I'm tired of reading about everybody else getting healed. And that infers that if you're the same, then you're going to help me today. And, of course, he will. He really will. This fulfilled, now watch this. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. He took our, can you believe that? Took our sicknesses and bore our diseases. I wonder where that is. Well, you do a little research, you can find out it's Isaiah 53. And that stands for you and I today. Well, it, it just keeps on going. Let me close real quickly. Going back over here to... Um, <clears throat> To Psalm, we won't cover it all, but just catch part of it. Psalm 27. See if it's much the same. It is. This is Psalm 27. Now look at this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Now we've heard this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And it is real churchy. I grew up in church and whatever. But let me tell you something. These words have got to ring today in my mind, whatever I'm facing. Whether it's financial, whatever, personal, what didn't make any difference. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I've been there in the dark before, and you have too. You know, you can cut your lights out at night, and whether you're in trouble or not, you're retracing, to the, even if you know the pattern of what's in your house, you may have something on the floor. And it's nice to have what? Light. You know. He is my light. Now remember, what kind of salvation is this? He's going to explain, of course we're going to heaven. He protects me from danger. Who shall I fear? When evil men come to destroy me, they'll stumble and fall. Yes, though a mighty army marches against me. Oh, buddy, here they come. And we have a story in the Old Testament about this. This whole city was surrounded. And the good guy and his buddy were right together. And the, his buddy was going, ah, we're in trouble. And, the Lord, and anyway, the prophet said, hey, Lord, open his eyes so he'll see. And his friend, his eyes were opened by the Lord, and he saw surrounding the army that was there around his city, the mountains were filled with the chariots of fire. 
God's army is much bigger, and it doesn't just show up. It's there the whole time. Yes, though a mighty army marches against me, my heart shall know no fear. See, that's something we need to work on right there. How's your heart feeling today? You, you got fear in your life? The Lord's my light and my salvation. I am, Look at this. I am what? Confident that God will save me. And I've been in here time and time again before church starts. Uh, Phil and I will be the first one in there. We just talk about it. We, it just, we both just, it gets to us. I don't know what kind of problem we could ever face. That God is not going to bail us out. Whatever it is. The one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most after, is the privilege of meditating in His temple. Now, quit thinking He's just talking about, well, this is, this is the reason, you know, God loves Him so much is because He just wants to be in church all the time. Now, it's more than that. We're talking... Jesus is your personal friend here. Besides that, we don't have a temple. What are you going to go come running it? See, in the Old Testament, that was where the presence of God was. You had to run over there. But anyway. Living in His presence every day of my life, delighting in His incomparable, uh, let's see what we got here, incomparable uh, uh, perfections and glory. Now look what He says. There I'll be when trouble comes. You know, David keeps reeling in all those, Jesus is just my crutch. Well, hey, I love it. I need a crutch. Are you kidding? Let's see how well you do without a job. I don't want money anymore. You got to have money. Well, you got to have Jesus. Look what he says. He will hide me. He will set me on a high rock out of reach of all my enemies. Then I will, be, then I will bring him sacrifices and sing him praise with much joy. Why are you so happy? Because God got you out of trouble. Then look at this. Listen to my pleading, Lord. Be merciful and send the help I need. I tell you what, the book of Psalms is so wonderful. It's really the book of prayers. And it's just like, it, it'll give you the exact words to say. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. In other words, God said, hey, come to me. You know, Lord, I'm coming. Oh, don't hide yourself when I'm trying to find you. Do not angrily reject your servant. Now, what's that coming from there? We're all going to have times when we feel like, I don't know if God's going God's to pull up some bad thing I've done in my life. That's, that's the reason David said, hey, look, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. Don't forsake me, O God of my salvation. Look at this. For if father and mother should abandon me, you would welcome and comfort me. Oh, really? Oh, really? Are you sure? He wrote it down. He was sure. This is about the end of it. Watch this. Let's finish it out. He says, tell me what to do, O Lord. Make it plain because I'm surrounded by waiting enemies. I mean, this was like, we're fixing to beat. Give me the plan, God, because they're coming. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Make it plain, okay? Don't let them get me, Lord. Gee. You know, your friends, this is so easy to tell people about Jesus. Just say, start doing the 27th Psalm. Huh? Yeah. Read it out loud and do it. What? For they accuse me of things I never did. And all the while, they're plotting cruelty. I'm expecting to, the Lord to rescue me again. And you should always know it's again and again and again. So that once again, I will see the goodness to me here in the land of the living. Don't be impatient. Wait for the Lord. Now, here's the invitation for everybody. Don't be impatient. Wait for the Lord. He will come and save you. Be brave, stout-hearted, and courageous. Yes, wait. And He will what? He'll help you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, amen.